The Everyman Podcast. Tell you what. I'll tell you what. That song will never get old, bro. Nope. That is just a saucy track. And I'll tell you what. I'm telling you. I'll tell you what. It's a synth inspired day. (laughs) And we're going to let this ride a little bit out of respect for our our guest today, the man. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking man, Derek Sherinian. Yeah. You might know him from uh, Dream Theater. Ooh. You, you might know him. Yes, you will know him. And, and I'll tell you what, if you don't know him, you're going to know him after this. That's right? for sure. That is for sure. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Big dog. Mm-hmm. Another day, another podcast. Oh, yeah. It's oh, September. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the month of my birth. It's, you know, mm. it's, we're, we're entering, we're, we are exiting mm. the summer of the everyman and we are entering... <laughs> The autumn of the everyman. Would it, would it be like the year? Like I mean, like like we just oh, yeah. exit out of summer. We're just like the whole. I mean, it, we've we said it privately. You know, twenty twenty yeah. is the year of the everyman, and yeah. and we're we're nine months into the year of the everyman, and uh, we're not slowing down. It's only ramping up and Dude, hotter and hotter. Pedal is through the floor right now, bro. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're operating like one of those Fred Flintstone type deals Dude, where like feet, are feet are on the pavement, like like. I'm literally just sharpening my heel on the blacktop. It's great. It's great. It's it's a it's a it's a blessing. And I'll tell you what, man. This podcast today, um, super special, super meaningful, a bunch of different reasons for me. So, our guest today is Derek Sherinian. Now, Derek was the first place I was aware of. Derek was he was a key, the keyboardist for Dream Theater for about four years uh, in the '90s, and um, he, you know, he. Jordan Rudess came in after him, um, and, you know, they've had this long 25 years where Jordan's in the band. Um, but Derek had gone on to – he was always playing with a bunch of different amazing talents. You know, he's, we, we talk about him playing with Billy Idol and Alice Cooper and Ingve and Steve Vai and fucking Simon Felt. Just it's amazing, the guy – the people that this gentleman has played with. Um, you know, he was torn arenas with Alice Cooper and Kiss, you know, uh, at, the, at the height there. And um, – had this great career with dream theater and he's, you know, he's got sons of Apollo and all these awesome bands that he's, he's played with. And now he's got a new solo album coming out called the Phoenix, which is available everywhere. Digital music is sold September Mm -hmm. 18th. So it's, it's, it's this week it's coming in hot. And, uh, you know, I, I already said on the podcast, I already pre-ordered it. So September 18th, it's going to pop right into my iPhone. So if you guys listen to this right now, obviously the record's not out yet. It comes out in a few days. Go ahead, pull up that Apple music pre-order this record and then you know on the 18th it'll be there trust me you you will not be disappointed and uh speaking of not being disappointed like you build up your idea of what somebody's going to be like in your head and then you get them on the podcast and you talk to them it turns out they're fucking awesome listen i'm gonna tell you this right now i don't i don't say much when it comes to the podcast i don't really think i have to but i said less than i even normally do because this Fucking dude, there is a total badass, bro. Like, every man, total every man. I mean, there. I mean, he's got the swag. I, I think the young people are calling it big dick energy or whatever. I believe it uh, is called big dick energy. Yeah, BDE yeah. for sure. BD, BDE. We we have to acronym it, but I'm telling you, I mean, he is. Whew. And I'll tell you, this is a special episode where it's only going to be audio on this podcast, and you know, you can feel the swag feel through. It. 
through the podcast. You, you, man. This, this man just, just he's got it all. You know, he's he knows he's first of all, Oozy. he knows he's swagoo, super talented, dripping, <laughs> dripping and swagoo. And uh, dude, I'm just I'm bubbly, I'm giggy, I'm giggly with joy. Uh, just a just a fantastic podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Obviously, the summer of the everyman continues into the autumn. I think fall officially starts like September 22nd or something like that. So, you know, we're still technically in the summer of the everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell still you running shit. I'll tell you <laughs> what. If this is the first time uh, you know, you're joining us on the Everyman podcast, take a minute to check out our archives and check us out on YouTube, the Everyman Podcast on YouTube, where we've got fantastic interviews. We've got Blake Richardson of Between the Buried and Me, Dusty Waring of Between the Buried and Me, Matt Halpern from Periphery, Mark Holcomb from Periphery, Andy McKee of Andy McKee. We just had John Petrucci, Dream Theater legend, on the show. We've had James Labrie. We've had Mike Mangini. We've had a guy. we got a guy that's, that's going to be an astronaut. We had him, Dude. Dylan Dixon. He's coming back on. It's like all Madden right now. NFL, it's like all Madden. NFL legends, <laughs> you know, music, uh, Kenny Arnoff, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. I mean, you name it, we're bringing it to you every Wednesday on your podcast app of choice and sometimes on YouTube. So check hey. us out. Give us a subscribe on the Everyman Podcast on YouTube. If you're listening for the first time, follow us. You know, whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Music or Google Play or whatever it is, whatever. There's a thousand different podcast apps. Give us a follow. Hang yeah. with us. Give us a shot. Share it with your friends. Do and, it. I'll, and I'll tell you what. If you don't enjoy this interview with Derek Sherinian, <laughs> you must not like to have a good time. So yeah. I think... I think we just kick it, kick it to the dog. Just kick it to him. Let's go. Derek Sherinian, here we go. Joining us today is a legendary performer, songwriter, and musician. He's toured with Alice Cooper, Billy Idol, Ingve Momstein, and Steve Vai. He was a member of Dream Theater, currently in Sons of Apollo, and today he's in the Cosmic Canoe. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure keyboardist Derek Sherinian. Derek, how are you, brother? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, this is this is a true pleasure. And and just right off the bat, man, I, you know, I'm a huge Dream Theater fan. Daryl's a huge Dream Theater fan. Um I've I've followed your career outside of Dream Theater for years because I love I just absolutely love your solo work, and I think you some of the stuff you were doing um, you know, in the early 2000s was so far ahead of the curve. Uh, with with where instrumental music is today, and I think it's it's uh, it's it's amazing. So, you know, right off the bat, Derek, you have a new solo album coming out, The Phoenix, which is available everywhere. September eighteenth, uh, you co-wrote this album with one of my favorite. I'm a drummer, and uh, one of my favorite drummers of all time, Simon Phillips. And uh, Dale and I got a chance to check out the Dragonfly video. I listened to that song probably a dozen times today. Um, <laughs> totally blew me away. I love the groove. I love, I love the bass. I love the, 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 the rhythm in your piano playing is very, it's almost like I can imagine that as like somebody playing an eight string guitar, like a toast and a bossy type thing. It's just so modern and cool, but different because it's on piano and in that trio setting. Um, totally blown away by it, man. What was your process on putting this music together, uh, for the Phoenix, um, with, with Simon Phillips and, and everything there? Well, I started working on ideas for this record about 18 months ago, and I just started collecting different sections and and feels and went up to Simon's house 
with a hard drive with some ideas. And then he went through and we listened together. And the ones that he vibrated on the most is the ones that he would step in and start collaborating and either writing melody lines or coming up with different sections and helping put the songs together. I mean, his songwriting uh, is a huge part of my records and I'm just very grateful to have Simon involved more than just the drums. I mean, he's co-writing, he's co-producing and then ultimately mixing the record. So he brings a level of quality control to an excellence to everything that he does. And so I'm very uh, blessed to have him not only as a partner, but as like a mentor and, and someone to oversee the overall quality of this. He's, he's so unbelievable. And you know, it's funny cause I listened to, I listened to the song uh, first, the dragonfly on Spotify. And then I found the video and I'm listening to the drums and I'm like, man, this, uh, this sounds like, this sounds familiar. Like this, this groove that I'm hearing. Like, I, I feel like I know, I thought it was like, it sounds like, like Steve Gadd or something. Like, who is this? And then when I'm watching the video, I'm like, oh my God, it's Simon Phillips. How could I not? You know? And, yeah. uh, you know, when you talk here's about the thing, here's sure. the thing. I, my ears are, have evolved. Like since I, I was in dream theater, my ears have evolved. I played with, the very best of the best on all the instruments. And I just, I need to hear that greatness around me on all the instruments on, on my music and the records. And Simon is just to me, the best of the best when it comes to drumming. He can do anything, you know, what a groove rock R and B, you know, I'm sure if he, if he wanted to do death metal, he could. Um, well, that's the thing is that I first became aware of Simon in 1980 and two of the my favorite records of that year was the Michael Shanker record and then also Jeff Beck there and back. Mm -hmm. And Simon was the drummer on both of those records. And what struck me was that he played both styles effortless, effortlessly so great, but then you can identify his style and personality. And to me, that's the most important aspect of any musician. I mean, there's guys that can play technically all day long, but they have no original style or identifiable uh, vibe to their playing. And, and that's, you know, I'm attracted to players like that. If you look at all the guys that are on my records and my solo records, everyone has distinct signature styles on their instrument. And, and that's what I strive for on my keyboards and, and I know you mentioned Jeff Beck there, and, and I, I came across an interview of you where you're talking about your solo style. And one of the things that I love about your playing, especially in Dream Theater, and you know, this isn't to compare and contrast to any other keyboardist in, in Dream Theater, but your solo style is very much guitar inspired. And you mentioned Jeff Beck as being one of your main influences. When you're when you're writing, are you because you're you know like you said, you you surround yourself with these great musicians. Are you writing from a, from a, like in your head, are you hearing piano? Are you hearing synth? Are you hearing guitar? And then you're kind of translating I hear, it. I hear everything at once. Uh, it's like, I hear depending on the vibe of the song. Like when I was writing clouds of Ganymede, I was hearing Simon's drums always. That's always the drums I hear. But then I heard on bass, Tony Franklin, and I heard Steve Vai on guitar. And as I'm constructing this song, I know how it's going to sound because I know who's going to be playing on it. And that really helps me in the writing. So basically, I'm at a point in my in my artistry where I'm only limited by my imagination because I have access to all the very best players and all the people that I want to work with. And so 
there's no corners being cut artistically. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that when I was looking at, at just some of the names of people you've toured with over the years and just the guys uh, that have been on your solo records. It's like you must have the most wild uh, Rolodex of, of people to call upon when you have an idea. So that's got to make the creative process really enjoyable for you. It's really great. And the the uh, the Rolodex, I love that term. I haven't heard <laughs> that in, in 40 years or whatever. But, there you go. But but it's constantly growing and I'm constantly meeting new players and, and making new relationships and it's growing. And I always want to take it in, in uh, new directions. Yeah. You, you really, I mean, like I said, this, the, the dragonfly really caught me like flat footed. Cause it was just not what I was expecting. Um, when I, when I put it on and speaking specifically about the bass, the, that like kind of double bass line that he's doing there on that track just yeah. fits so tightly with Simon's groove, and he's kind of hold, he's kind of playing a little bit behind and grooving, and then like I said, the rhythm in your piano playing there is so. I I I don't mean to 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 imply that piano is antiquated, but the the style that you're playing to me feels like modern progressive music you know like i said like the like the, the animals as leaders or you know uh, peripheries of the world like it, you listen to that and you just say okay switch the piano to a eight-string guitar and you know like this oh wow you i've know, never heard anyone say that so i guess that's cool yeah i mean I, you know i mean it's a compliment i think it's great um it's it's really it's really something special and i can't wait to get my hands on the album on september 18th um you know we, we're talking about on the everman podcast we've had a lot of great you know, musicians on, um, such as yourself, like guys that have, that have played with a lot of people, Kenny Arnoff, you know, Mike Mangini, these kind of guys. And one of the things that I find so interesting is their ability to kind of hop in and out of different groups and different egos. We all know, you know, whether it's sports with Daryl in the NFL or, you know, musicians, everybody kind of carries an ego around and, and, and learning to work with other people is always kind of a, it's a task in and of itself. And like, again, when you look at that, like just take Sons of Apollo, for example, you've got a band where yourself, Mike Portnoy, Billy Sheehan, you know, and Bumblefoot. And it's like guys that are, are star attractions in there and any other band all coming together uh, to create music together. What do you think is the secret to your success in being able to collaborate like that with so many different people? I don't know, but the lineup that you just mentioned is like uh, Bush League compared to Black Country Communion egos. That's those are like major <laughs> league New York Yankee. That's a whole different level. But wow. uh, no, it's all fun. And people that have the biggest egos a lot of times are the best players, and they're hmm. they have egos for the reason because they're special. And so what you have to do is when you have a bunch of special people in the same band, you just have to navigate through it and come to an understanding that, yes, all of us are great and we can all do this on our own, but if we can humble down a little bit and, and band together, hence the word band, <laughs> band together and, and try to achieve a common goal, we're going to all benefit a lot more if we team up rather than fight through this and make it a miserable experience and i think it takes many years to get to that realization but then you have to ask yourself is it worth it 
to uh, to go through it because it's a pain in the ass playing in a band. It really is. <laughs> You're dealing with a lot of different uh, attitudes and neuroses and, and egos, as you said. But in the end, it's a lot of times the best music comes from that, you know. They say the most beautiful orchids are sprung from manure. That's true. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so Derek, can you, can you uh, just answer a question for me? I, I want to know, like, how, how can I put this? How, how do you navigate all of the egos that come with being in a band and then make something so magical? You just have to. I mean, at some point, the songs have to be written. And the producer, whoever that is, has to make the final decision. And you have to respect the position. And in Sons of Apollo, Mike and I are the producers. And in the end, we make the final call of, you know, how it goes. But it is a band effort. Everyone is writing. But at some point, someone needs to make a call. And then when it goes out on tour mike writes the set lists and is in charge of a lot of the presentation that's his forte and that's you know what he is passionate about doing so everyone needs to figure out you know their roles what they do individually and then what is your role collectively and in the end we all want to be great on our instrument and and deliver a kick-ass show to our fans and leave a great reputation in every city that we play that it's an amazing live act and people are going to want to come see it and, and buy the records. So we all share that common denominator. So that's how you navigate through the egos. Wow. Well, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, you know, again, talking about the, the quality, the level of excellence that you've been around, you know, Daryl and I were talking about this earlier, you know, whether it was in a, in a, in a hired gun capacity or, or like a full-time member, like, Sons of Apollo or Dream Theater. Um, you've played with so many talented people. Is there like one person that you think you've learned the most from, or maybe you were the most impressed by their just ability and just like who, you know, who do you think had the most impact on you and, and impressed you the most? Fortunate, fortunately for me, I can honestly say Simon Phillips. Really? And yeah. And so being able to make these records with him is just is so awesome for me. And I'm so grateful because uh, as to me, that's just the best of the best. And, and I'm just very happy about that. And, and you look at him and it's like a guy that had this humongous career in a, I mean, a pop oriented band. And then he's been able to do all this, incredible work outside of that and it's like some very few people can have their cake and eat it too it's like john mayer in a way like somehow john mayer got to be like the guitar sex symbol and also well, have a blues trio cake and and eating it too and then the, all the dinners and everything he's got it all <laughs> john yeah john mayer <laughs> jesus christ yeah I mean, come on you know it's funny about john mayer so in the, in the town that i live in here when i was in high school the the our, our rival high school the Pensbury, they always bring in a big celebrity for their prom. And yeah. it was like when John Mayer was first coming out and they somehow booked John Mayer to the prom. So they, and I had friends that were at this prom. They had girls, like they literally had to escort him out. Like he was the Beatles in and out of the building because they just, there was teenage girls 
literally throwing themselves in their prom dresses at him. And it it's was insane. like insane. And wasn't he like a guy that went to Berkeley, like yeah. a Berkeley guy or something? Right. And I was saying Jesus. that we just had John Petrucci on the podcast. And I said to him, I was like, you know, nobody gives John Mayer any shit for going to Berkeley. But like anybody else that goes, it's like, oh, look how pretentious yeah, you nobody's are. Nobody's escorting John Petrucci out the back door because chicks are waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, the, that's the flip side, right? Yeah. It's just like I said, you can't, some people have their cake and eat it too. It's I, I got to respect it. But Simon Phillips in a way to me, I, I think is – is like that, you know, because I see, see him playing with, you know, these these humongous stadium tours and then coming and doing a project like this. Not that yours isn't, you know, you know what I mean? But. I love him, though, but his attitude is fantastic. And he said to me, uh, I think it was about five years ago, he goes, Derek, I was in the grocery store. I can't, I'm not going to do this. I'll spare you my bad British accent, but he said, <laughs> I was in the grocery store and I see this guy and he's like in his mid 40s and he's overweight, but he's like wearing tight clothes and his hair is dyed black. And you can see that <laughs> he was used to be in, maybe used to be in a band, but you don't recognize him. He's not famous enough where you recognize him. And he, and he said he had a realization that I never want to be that guy that's kind of dressed like the rock guy yep. and hold and on to the dream. That. He goes, fuck it. He goes, I'm just going <laughs> to let my hair go gray and I'll play jazz with uh, Hiromi. Yep. And, and I was listening to that today. I'm going to do. And he goes, I don't give a shit. I was, and I go, you know what? God bless you. I'm not as brave as him yet. I'm not ready to be Johnny Gray yet with uh, my uh, <laughs> gray beard and hair. But, but as far as the rock clothing, I just wear like jeans and I keep it real simple. I don't fucking try to get cute and play yeah. dress up. You Gotta know, I really just keep my weight cool and just, and keep it mellow. But yeah, someday I'm gonna let I'll let the hair go. <laughs> let it all natural, let it all I'm, go. I'm right? not quite there yet. I'm not quite there yet. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm sure you've been to Nam many times, and uh, every every time I'm out at Nam, I always kind of chuckle at seeing some of those guys that are like, they probably were in bands, like you're saying, they're, they're a little chubby, whatever. You know, they got the the jet black dyed hair, and they're like, now they might be in the retail end of it or something. And it, and I always said the same thing, like I, you you gotta know when to gotta know when to fold. Well, Oh, yeah. Well, what was great about Nam uh, years ago, 30 years ago, it used to be more elite. Now they sell they sell tickets to the general public. But before, the only people that could get into Nam were either the equipment company, the, uh, the gear companies, musicians that were, you know, successful, or the regional music stores from all over the country that are there to do the buying and marketing right. for their music stores. So these people, for them, that was a huge deal to fly in from Tuna Fish, Wyoming or Indiana or wherever they're from. And they would all show up to LA ready to rock with the mullets. Yep. And all of them had the same mullet haircut. And I used <laughs> to love go mullet watching. Yeah. At, at Nam and some of these people, it was fantastic. It's like, oh, look over there. There's a Kentucky red where yeah, awesome. I would have like the red hair and it would be down to his yep, back, yep. down halfway down his back. But it's like you know, party in the back, uh, yep. business in the front. I love it. Yeah, and it's it's true because you know the first year I went to Nam, I think it was 2015, and it was still like invitation only, and you had either had to be a sponsored that's how i was there as being a sponsored artist drumlight shout out to the drumlight boys um and uh promark but now like this last year when i went it was like there was like thousands of children running around and i'm like what the fuck is this like i can't like what are, what are you doing here you know and then it's very weird like young girls like very young teenage girls 
dressed in a weird way and their parents taking them from booth to booth and then like social media them to like try they're like trying to get them to the next you know the quote unquote next level or whatever and it's like from a from somebody who's been in the business you know not at your extent but like i know what's going on there you know and a lot and i and to see that like i can't imagine bringing my like 13 year old daughter to nam and then parading around to every booth of musicians to be like hey check out my daughter doing this it's like it, it just seemed very strange to me uh, not my scene. I, I don't. I don't go to that shit anymore. I quit doing that many years ago. Yeah, you're kind of like I don't want to say off the radar, but it kind of snuck up on me this new release. I mean, you, you've you've kind of you have a social presence. You, you're online. You know, you, you do things. You tour. Um, but do you? How do you feel about like the po- posting content? You know, and, and putting your music out there. Is that something you're into? Like in what capacity? Well, I mean, just, you know, instructionals and, you know, I've seen there's some interview videos of you kind of talking about your playing and stuff, but I don't see, uh, like, I know, like, a, a kind of a popular thing now is people just posting videos to Instagram of them playing all the time, you know? Uh, well, I post myself. I do, like, a lot of different things. Like, sometimes I get bored and I'll learn Van Halen solos <laughs> and I'll, I'll record myself and, and post it. And then other times... Uh, it just depends. I mean, I think it's cool. Absolutely. I think people, I think fans like to hear what you're doing and, and, uh, if you're doing something fresh in your studio, I think, uh, people want to hear it. Yeah. And I know some, you know, some artists we've had on, they feel like they don't want to, they don't want to put something out there that's not finished. I can totally understand that, you know, whatever, you know what, if you can play and you're a badass, you should just be able to pick up your instrument and throw down and not worry about it. There you go. I love that. I love man. it, dude. Derek, I love your style, man. You're 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 the yeah, man. Dude. You were you were too cool, uh, brother. Let's quit fucking around here. I mean, if you can play, <laughs> then you don't need all the post production. Yeah. Oh I man, I'm gonna cut. That's a sound bite right there. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about Dream Theater a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm I Daryl and I are blessed enough to have been welcomed into kind of that inner circle with them and hang out and be friends and they come on the show. And so that from, from a fan perspective, it's been crazy for me to kind of, like, like I said to Daryl last week, like if I could go back in time and tell 15 year old myself that, Hey, you know, you can have Derek Sherinian and John Petrucci and Mike, Man- all these guys. And <laughs> it's like, it would have blown my mind as a kid, you know? Um, yeah. And, and part of the, I don't know, the, 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 the grandeur of progressive music is, that majority of the fans are musicians or if they're not musicians, they're extremely passionate enthusiasts of music. They're, they're a little bit more, I don't want to say educated on music to sound like, like it's a snobby thing, but it's a different type of person that listens to Rob Zombie probably, or, you know, Billy Idol that's listening to dream theater or sons of Apollo. There might be some crossover, but you have a very kind of distinct, Right. And uh, this, this passionate fan base and dream theater is no exception to that, you know, I, I, yes, was the first band I fell in love with. And we're going to talk about Rick Wakeman here in a minute, but you know, mm. yes, was kind of one of those bands where they had two different eras, you know, the Bill Bruford era and then, you know, Alan White and then Rick Wakeman and then all these other guys, Igor, Korshev and all that stuff. And people like get snappy at each other over who's the best, who's the best. And you know, the time that you were in dream theater from an outside perspective, you know, that's some of my favorite 
Dream Theater music. Like when I look at the whole catalog, like Hell's right. Kitchen is something that I listen to all the time. I absolutely love that song. Lines in the Sand is another one. And I bring those up because, you know, those are songs that you like the most notable parts of those songs, pretty much like that was those were your contributions um, right. You know, and I heard you talk those about are your, that. those were your favorite. I mean, those are two. Yeah. Hell's Kitchen is one of my absolute favorite Dream Theater songs, period. Oh, cool. Uh, nice. I would say probably I would say top five for sure. I listen to it all the oh, time. Wow. Um, but but Falling Into Infinity in general is one of those albums that I didn't. It took me a little bit of time to appreciate it. And how do you feel about kind of your your place in the history of dream theater and how the fans kind of perceive things like do you do you feel good about that does it does it bug you like how do you feel about your time in dream theater like from that side of it well it's weird i mean if i look back at it it dream theater was a type of band that i would have never listened to okay that's i wasn't into progressive rock i did i was not familiar with their music at all and when I went in to audition for that band, uh, the whole Seattle movement had just come in and I was doing my second tour with Alice Cooper. No, I, no, I just finished with Kiss and the Alice Cooper tour, the second one, the writing was on the wall and this was 1992 and or 93 it was. And you could see that that whole 80s, thing was over and these arenas were like a quarter full on the kiss tour and they had to cancel it down and alice said and all the rock bands are saying you know what let's take a little time out and let the seattle trend die out before we're gonna go back out there and put a record out we we just had a platinum record we can't go out there and and put out a record and flop you know they can't do it so there was no gigs going on at the time and so there was a whole year where I wasn't working. And then I hear about the Dream Theater audition through uh, my friend Al Petrelli. And I went in to play. And I remember that there was three keyboard players. We weren't all there at the same time. But it was uh, Jens Johansson, Jordan Rudis, and myself. And the way it worked out, Jordan was their first choice. And for some reason he turned down the gig. I'm not sure what the reasoning was. And so I was the second choice and I told them, I go, guys, this music. And I'll say this, when I went in for the audition and I heard the music, I was general, I was really, uh, I felt this feeling of fear because I had never heard stuff that sick before. I mean, I heard return to forever and fusion stuff, but never, you know, with the rock guitars and the way that it was. So I looked at it, I was like, wow, this is cool. I, I appreciated what they were doing. And I looked at it as a challenge. And so I basically went in never playing, I mean, playing only like Alice Cooper and Kiss and, and stuff like that and, and very little fusion in college to going in as the keyboardist of the biggest progressive metal band of the era. And I had to learn all of that material that I'd never heard before, like two and a half hours of odd time signatures and 20 minute songs in like a two week period. And that's fucking insane (laughs) to try to learn that stuff and never having to play that stuff or 
not having it ingrained in your head, not knowing that music. And so that two weeks of my life, I, I made a deal with myself that if I could get through this boot camp, and that's how I looked at it as a musical boot camp, and I can pull through the other end and pull this off, there's not going to be any musical situation that someone's going to throw at me that I'm not going to fucking fight my way through. And, you know, and as it turned out, I had a, a four-year run with that band, and I feel like my, uh, my playing, you could hear a huge difference from when I started in that band until I ended in that band. You can hear that my style, my signature style, really developed from the time I did that first EP, Change of Seasons, to Falling Into Infinity. Falling Into Infinity is the first that we hear the real development of my style. You know, you bring up a change of seasons and I, again, I, it's, I, it sounds like I've got a ridiculous list, but again, that's another one of my favorite pieces of music and it's so dynamic. And it reminds me again of things like, like gates of delirium. You know, it's this long piece of music that, that just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds to a big moment. And I love that kind of songwriting, that long form storytelling of a of a emotional the ride. You yeah, like the epic. Yeah. yeah, you know, like that's what that's what I fell in love with. With you know, again, like Gates of Delirium. You know, and you go back and you listen to those old Yes records and like the organ sounds and and some of that. And I hear, you know, when I listen to, I was watching a video of you in Portnoy and Tony McAlpine playing The Change of Seasons and Acid Rain and something else. And uh, like I can hear that that influence echoing, you know, from the past and then, and then hearing it now in the future, like it's still great. And I definitely would imagine that as, as many talented people you've played and toured with, like getting up on stage with a guy like John Petrucci and John, my young every night had to have been like, um, like just amazing in itself. Well, I, I absolutely learned a lot playing in that band. I mean, uh, John Petrucci especially is very precision player, very consistent. And, you know, you either have to raise your ability up to hang with someone like that or you're going to flounder, you know. And so it really turned the heat up on me to get not only my playing but my tones on my instrument and my equipment and, you know, there's a lot that I'm, I'm really grateful for that I learned in that band. And to answer, uh, I think I never really answered your question. I am, I'm proud of my contributions that, that I brought to that band. Uh, I'm falling into infinity. I thought that there were some great shows. I think falling into infinity, there's some great moments. I think there's some not so great moments, but um, I think the high points of that record are the songs that I brought in. Yeah, I mean, like I said... Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it pound for pound, Lines in the Sand, Hell's Kitchen, and Trial of Tears... Well, they still play those I, on a regular basis. Yeah, well, that, what does that tell you? It tells you they're great songs. And, yeah. and, you know, I've seen Dream Theater probably 50 times at this point. And, like I said, you know, when I found out like a couple, like, I guess two tours ago, they brought A Change of Seasons back, I was like, fuck yeah. I finally am going to get to see this, you know? And then hearing... Because now you've got, especially with Mangini, right? Now you've got, there's different eras of keyboard and different eras of drummer. And to hear like the band currently now playing that and they're playing it the, still the way it was written tells you that's there's something special about this music here. Yeah, I think they, uh, well, there you go. Yeah, 
Cool. <laughs> um, so, you know, off of Dream Theater, you know, obviously it's a, that's a rabbit hole we could go down forever. Um, you talked about Alice Cooper. Now, I got to imagine, is Alice Cooper as cool of a guy as I picture him in my head? Because, like, him, I, I've heard a lot of his, his him just talking, like, out, out of character, so to speak. And yeah. like, he seems like he's a brilliant guy. He, like, clearly understands the shock value and the the he knows how to draw people to a show you know like he got the he got he understood that and like being a character quote unquote um it was just so far ahead of what anybody else was like doing and then like i think about sorry go ahead go on go on go on finish but you know even the little things like you were in wayne's world you know and like i I, I think about that scene all the time and like you're and i went back and watched it it's like oh look there there he is um what was that like being with alice cooper like in that kind of heyday there it was it was fantastic. Um, I remember at the time I was struggling and and really wanting to yeah I was waiting for my first break in music and it was just really uh, taking a long time and then my friend Al Petrelli who I went to music college with got the Alice Cooper gig as music director and he recommended me for an audition. And so I went down to audition and, and got the gig. And I remember that was the most high I've ever been in my life, just getting that first big gig. And it was just like uh, such validation. And it was a culmination of all the hard work and, and all the obstacles. And now finally I, I was, now I, I went from one day I was Derek Sherinian from Santa Cruz, California to Derek Sherinian of Alice Cooper band. And that made a big difference to my uh, headspace and sure. mindset and, and also everyone else's mindset, the way I was viewed. And when you're in Los Angeles and you're trying to get in and make it in the business and you don't have any legitimate credits, people look at you like you're a fucking douche and no one <laughs> wants to work with you. And, and, and that's just the way it is until uh, you get that first big break. Right. And so... It's like, I remember though, the funny thing was I felt like once I got that gig, it's like, you know what? I've made it now. I'm a rock star and I'm never going to have any more struggles <laughs> again. It's a fucking free ride for me. Yeah, today. yeah, Easy I bet. Easy ride. And then now it's like 30 years later, I'm, I'm the same shit, yep. you know? Yep. It's, it's great. It's funny, man, because when I when I first connected with Daryl, you know, Daryl played in the NFL. He, he was a journeyman himself, uh, you know, kind of parallel to you, how you've kind of been in and out of all these different groups. And, you know, when Daryl started telling me about what he experienced in the NFL, I was like, bro, you're in the entertainment business. Like, this is just... This is just entertainment <laughs> bullshit. Like you, you guys, it's entertainment business plus physical torture, you know. And uh, right, you, you say like, because I've been there, and and it wasn't until I hit a certain point where like I felt validated. But it's like you're walking around LA. It's like, well, I want a gig. Well, who have you played with? Nobody. Well, come back when you've played for somebody. It's like, well, what the fuck? How am I supposed to, you know, like how do I get <laughs> gigs if I have no gigs? It's it's a weird system, man. Yeah. No, it is. But that's that's the beautiful thing about it, though, is as you mentioned, you know, your friend that, that kind of put you put the word in for you. And we talk about that here with a lot of our guests is like the networking aspect of music or sports or just professional, you know, business like that is the thing that makes it because one, you've everybody's talented at that level. Everyone is a shredder at that level. You know, the difference is like, do you know someone to someone like you, you know, and if people yeah. people don't like you, they don't they're not going to give you that 
little, hey, you know what? I got to audition for. Why don't you come try it out? And that's why it's so important. We always say, like, you know, shine your light on people when you can because you never know when that's going to come back around to help you out. It's very great, great advice. Amen. Amen to that. So uh, winding down here, Derek, um, you know, the Phoenix is available everywhere. Digital music is sold, you know, coming up on September 18th. And uh, I've already pre-ordered mine, so that way I get it automatically right in my Apple Music. If you guys listening, uh, do that because then it's like a, a musical surprise when you wake up on the 18th and, you, and you've got that fresh uh, that fresh Derek Sherinian. Yeah, I, li- I like that. Yeah, a little musical surprise because you buy it and you forget. You know, you spend your 10 bucks, you move on, then, hey, look at this sweet album. Um, yeah. So are there any other, like, you know, is the whole album kind of like that? You know, I know there's two singles available, but is everything kind of different like your previous albums where you got a little bit of everything or is yeah, it kind of one? a little bit of everything. I have uh, Zach Wild. Who sounds great on it? Steve Vai, Joe Bonamassa sings a song. Buddy Miles was my first uh, pro gig. Who was the drummer of Jimi Hendrix? And Buddy's uh, big hit was "Them Changes." So that song wow. is special to me. And Joe wanted to uh, when he's I knew he was going to sing a song on this record, and he suggested "Them Changes" because he knows my history of Buddy and thought that that would be a great song. So I thought it was a great idea. And that, that is so cool. yeah, it's a little bit of everything on, on here for sure. Great players, Bumblefoot, Kiko from Megadeth, Billy Sheehan, uh, Monsters. Tony Franklin, great bass players, Jimmy Johnson, Ernest Tibbs. He's the bass player oh. on Dragonfly. He played with Alan Holdsworth. He yep. plays with Simon Phillips and Protocol and, and many other killer jazz players. So yeah, no, we got a really great team of, of people on here. You know, and you mentioned Zach Wild. Like I've been, I've been going through a '90s Ozzy phase recently, where yeah. I've just been just just hammering it. And like I've been listening, particularly No More Tears. And Zach Wild, I think, is is a guy that is never like considered in that upper echelon of musician because like he, I don't know, because he has a beard or what. Like for, for whatever reason, he's never like in that list of like you know, what, what, what maybe people outside the music business think of as like the top talents. And like, I got to see him ironically at NAMM a couple of years ago where he did the Zach Sabbath, uh, band. Yeah. And that was like, it was like a spiritual moment, like seeing that. And he is so fucking good and can do so much like he, like the, the, his singing and his playing, but he is like an unbelievable talent. And I've really specifically oh, enjoyed, you know, absolutely. His, I mean, do, do you agree that he's kind of like overlooked in that, in that category of like, I don't think so. Zach Wilds is a huge rock star worldwide. I mean, he's a A-list player in any country you go to. So I don't know anyone that's overlooking him is <laughs> must be pretty tall because uh, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is he thought of as a different light? Is he thought of as like this virtuoso? Right, that's kind of what I mean. Like that's kind of what I mean. other guys know, but that's not what he does. I'll tell you what. I'll put Zach Wilde up against any of these prog metal guys as far as uh, power and mightiness, you know. It's all about, you know, on stage, it's like such a powerful force when he's up there. It's like Loki or Thor. Yeah. You know, you listen to that amp. He commands, he commands your it's attention. It's just fucking his dominance, you know, and, and I'd rather have that. And also, even if you're not looking at him, you hear the way he plays on record, you know it's him. Every and it's time. It's total just... power. 
and attitude. He lights it up like a killer actor will light up a, a movie screen. So I'll tell you what, style beats speed every time. But if you got style and speed, then you're the king. And he is the king. He he commands he commands his audience. So, uh, yeah. you know, Derek, this has been seriously it's an absolute pleasure having you on, man. Uh, it's so great to get oh, to. Con- pleasure is mine. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. It's Thank great. You. And and just real quick, man, where can everybody keep up with you on social media? What's the best way to kind of stay involved in what you're doing? Best way is on social. Best way is on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm very approachable. I've been doing. I just wanted to add really quickly. I've been doing a lot of keyboard sessions since the uh, COVID. All the tours have been canceled. I just played on Michael Shanker's record last week, and then I did a couple uh, uh, tracks for David Coverdale a few months ago. And I've been doing a lot of sessions for a lot of up and coming artists as well. And I'm loving it. It's great being at home and playing on people's records from all over the world. So anyone that wants to reach me, I'm very approachable on Instagram and on Twitter, and I'd love to hear what you're doing. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm one of those guys, don't ever, I was just watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, don't make an empty gesture. We're working on the Everyman All-Star album. It's going to be with featuring a lot of our guests <laughs> on the show, so I'll take you up on that for sure, my man. All right, man. Hey, great talking to you guys. Have all a right. wonderful day. All right, Derek, take it take easy. Care. See you.